and welcome to mini episode 18 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? We have got two listener stories for you today. Okay. But first, Mm. we need to do a bit of a recap. So in episode 47 of the podcast, The Girl Who Wasn't My Sister, Michaela wrote in a series of stories. So she wrote in about a dog in her basement. She wrote in about a revolutionary war ghost. Uh, Yeah, I remember. And she wrote in about seeing a girl who yep. wasn't her sister Creepy. do you remember that and yeah, there was do, like yeah, the slaying remember. story i was trying to forget it but i do remember it, yeah. but now it's been all brought clambering back into your brain lovely so michaela sent us an update okay are you ready no i'm definitely not ready i remember what the last lot was about <laughs> i want to start with saying that i was so excited to hear you read my stories It feels so good to share it and have people not think I'm crazy. As I said in my last email, I have more stories to share. Before I share them, I want to give some information on my old house that I didn't think of at the time, but might answer some questions. I think these next stories will also answer some questions too. To begin, the house was on a hill called Whitmore Hill. The story goes that long ago in our town, A woman from the Whitmore family was accused of being a witch and was murdered and buried with no grave somewhere on the hill. I never felt anything evil in that house, just sad and creepy. The large dog had also been spotted turning into the shadow man with the hat by my mother and sister. In the same moment, my father and I only saw the dog. Maybe they were the same thing, or maybe they were companions. Maybe there are other people who have seen a large dog alongside the shadow man with the hat. Like I said in my last email, I grew up in a crappy household. After my mom left and we moved to our new place, I began dating someone a year older than me who became abusive. I will call this person David. During this time in my life, I was dating David and was taking care of my father as he went years being sober with some slip-ups in between. That is a lot on one person, so again, it's unclear if these situations were caused by trauma. I've learned that people who have experiences with trauma can hallucinate. However, they mostly hallucinate things that have to do with their trauma, which none of these did, to my knowledge. Dan, I am so sorry, because you are not ready. The apartment my dad and I moved into after the house was built in the 1800s. Our part of the house was at the top half and you entered it by going up a hidden staircase and through an old barn. Creepy, I know, but the apartment itself wasn't too bad and it was what we could afford. As I said in my last stories, before moving in, my sister and I did a walkthrough and felt nothing. But after about six months, things began to happen. It started with your average creepy feelings and sounds that could be explained away. I was still terrified to sleep in my room and had a nightlight from the age of 15 until I went to college. If something wants to stare at me, I want to be able to stare back. Mainly we had shadow spirits. None with hats though. The main one was huge and it often stood in the doorway to the hall. This would happen as I watched TV before bed. When he was there I slept on the couch with the TV on because I was too scared to walk past him. My sister slept in the room next to mine. It was tiny and meant to be an office. She slept there when she was home from school and often complained of hearing something in her closet. 
I was also terrified of our pantry and the back room across from mine. I always felt that if I looked, something would be there. I stopped looking after all of my experiences in the old house. You know how in possession movies, when the person who is possessed contorts their body and moves in an unnatural way? Well, this story's kind of like that. At this time in my life, I was a senior in high school and David was a freshman in college. This is when his true colours really began to show. I was always sad and hurt and never fully understood what was happening. My father worked late, so I was always alone in the house until late into the night. For about a week, I had a reoccurring nightmare. In the nightmare, I would be in bed and I would wake up to a girl standing on the right side of my bed. She was short and had black hair that covered her face and went all the way down to her feet. She would lean to one side and just look at me. In the dreams, it felt like two minutes or so would go by. Then I would wake up, looking at the same place in my room, but she would be gone. I was terrified, but ignored it, thinking it was just a nightmare. Then she came out of the dream. The first time it happened, I woke up and saw nothing. But then, just like many of the ghosts I see... I could sense where she was and what she was doing. What I sensed I will never, ever forget. It would be the same girl from the dream, but bent in odd angles and on the floor. Her head was bent upright, so it was on her back looking at my ceiling, but still covered with hair. The rest of her hair would drag on the floor as she crawled around my bed and out my door, which was on my left side. I would shut my eyes and I could hear her moving as she went. It's just sleep paralysis, right? Nothing to be afraid of. That's what I thought. Until one night I fell asleep doing homework. I woke up in the dark and sat up to try and see my clock. And there she was. I froze with fear as she looked at me. This time I was fully awake and instead of sensing her movements, I could see them clear as day. I watched as she crawled around the bed and out my door as I sat frozen in fear. Then I cried and called my friend. She picked me up that night and I slept in her house for two nights, too afraid to go back. When I finally did, the dreams stopped. I never saw her again. But sometimes, I still feel like she's watching me when I try to sleep at night. I always turn expecting to see her. But nothing is ever there. David's house was also old. I don't know how old, but his town was founded in the late 1700s and his house was one of the older ones in the centre of his town. It was tiny and the rooms upstairs had very low ceilings. I stayed at David's whenever he was home from school. His house felt more like home to me than my often empty apartment ever did. With that said, there was a lot of odd activity in the house. There was a little boy upstairs who wore a cowboy hat. He would wave to me from the top of the stairs, smiling. I didn't really mind him, but I avoided the part of the house because while he always seemed harmless, the upstairs always felt off in a way I just couldn't describe. After a year into dating David, something else appeared in the house. Like the crawling girl, it started in a dream. David's room was off the kitchen. Coming out of his room, there was a bathroom on the left and the door to the basement on the right as you walked down a short hallway to the kitchen. 
I often did laundry there because it was free. And in my dream, that is always what I was doing. As I was putting laundry in the dryer, I felt like I was being watched and turned to see a man watching me from the other side of the stairs. He was as tall as the ceiling and had a long skinny body with long white hair and red eyes. He just smiled a wicked smile at me and I woke up. I had this dream for a while as I stayed with David during winter break. A week after the dream, I had to do some laundry so I asked David to do it with me because I was scared I would look and see the man. When we went down to put the wet clothes in the dryer, David thought it would be funny to walk up the stairs and shut the door on me. I screamed and ran up the stairs. I was terrified and banged on the door. He laughed and told me I was being dramatic and stupid. Then I looked down the stairs. And to my horror, I thought I could see the man's eyes. Maybe I was so scared that I thought I saw them. Either way, after that experience, I began to dream of him grabbing me by the ankles and dragging me down the stairs. Some nights I would wake up to him standing by David's bedroom door. After a few more days of this, David went back to school. When he came back home for spring break, I made sure his bedroom door was closed when we went to bed at night and I never had the dream again. I always wondered why the dreams stopped, but I'm sure as hell glad they did. When I was a sophomore in high school, I went to my pastor and asked him if people could really be possessed. I've always seen so many creepy things and I was getting worried about them always being around. He told me I had a gift and that I have a strong connection to the spirit world. He said it was a beautiful thing because it brought me closer to God. But then he told me the gift also meant that other things would be attracted to me. This has never felt like a gift. I realised the extent of this connection one night while house-sitting for David and his family. This happened a few years later, the summer following the basement story. David's family had gone to the White Mountains and had asked that I house-sit and care for their cat. Their cat's nickname was Cat-Tin. I loved Cat-Tin and I stayed at their home far more often than I probably should have that week. Like I said before, My dad was rarely home when I was and I felt safer hanging out with Katyn rather than being at home alone. I stayed at their house as long as I could each day and I even spent the night a few times that week. Creepy, I know, but I really did hate being alone. One night towards the end of the week, my dad told me he would be home early so I fed Katyn and locked up the house before heading home to watch movies with him. After a few hours, I got this really intense feeling that something was wrong at the house. I asked my dad to come with me to check on it. I was scared that I had forgotten to lock the door or that the house was on fire or something. As I said, something felt really off. When we got there, the house looked fine, but I still had a good feeling that something was wrong. We searched the house up and down until the last room, and it was David's. As I walked into his room, the feeling in my gut shifted to intense dread. On his bed laying face down was what I can best describe to you as like a mummy. It had old dried skin stretched around its body and it was so skinny you could see its bones clearly. It was wearing torn blue pants and a torn red shirt. It had medium length matted brown hair. 
I took one look at it and noped the fuck out of there. I ran past the kitchen, shut off all the lights that we had turned on before telling my dad that we were leaving. He protested, but could see that I meant business and came with me. Once we were far from the house, I told him what I saw, and my sleepovers with Cat Tin ended after that. (laughs) During my freshman year of college, I was going to a college that was on the top of a large hill in the middle of the mountains. It was very isolated. Abusers often work to isolate you so that you don't have friends to call them out. By the time I had entered college, I had very few true friends left and I rarely spoke to them. As a result, I became quite depressed. I say this because I think a part of me is hoping that it was my depression or mental health that caused all of this and not actually a gift. While at school, I saw many things that have stayed with me. I'll start off with the girl in my dorm room. My roommate would often leave on the weekends. I didn't mind and would study, play The Sims or read. During those weekends, things would always happen in our room. By this point in my life, I was used to it and would just beg David to Skype with me until I fell asleep when I got too scared. Mostly it just chucked things across the room at my bed. Our dorm had a half wall. One side had my desk and our mini fridge and the other side had our beds. My roommate had a bed with a desk under it which faced my bed. While I was alone, the thing in our room would often chuck things off her desk while I was at mine. I got so used to it that I stopped bothering to check what had been thrown. Then at night, here and there, a little girl would cry at the end of my bed while I was trying to sleep. I personally do not trust spirits. I find them manipulative and deceiving, so I never talk with them. I ground myself and ignore them until they go away. The other spirits I saw were far worse. Our dorm was on the seventh floor of our building and the female bathrooms were on each other floor. I was followed by these spirits and would change bathrooms every few weeks to throw them off until they found me again. They terrified me. The bathrooms were large. As you walked in, the toilets and sinks would be on your left and three showers and a bathtub would be on your right. The tub was behind a wall and the stalls had a door leading to a bench and then the shower itself. The first spirit would appear in my mind. I could sense when she was there and what she looked like. She would be laying in the bathtub, covered in blood, with her mouth ripped open and eyes rolling back. I would see her as I entered the room, and each time I just backed out and skipped a shower for that day. Not today, Satan. The last one was harmless, but just as creepy. She was small and in an old uniform. She might have been maybe three or four Her body was similar to whatever had been calling to me from David's bedroom. Her head was bent to one side as if someone had broken her neck and just left it there. She had black hair that was ratty looking and mainly covering her face. Her eyes were black pits and her skin was so stretched and gone that you could see holes in her skull where her nose should have been. Her mouth was a thin line. She would limp up to the stall. One foot was bent at the ankle and would stand there where I could see her feet if I peeked out of the shower. Sometimes she would come all the way in, but I would tell her to leave and she would just go. Looking back, I probably should have just drop-kicked her. (laughs) She terrified me, but I also felt bad for her. As I stated above, I sometimes wonder if the things I saw were real. My childhood was easier to understand because my whole family saw it too. 
the college I went to my freshman year was also said to be haunted, complete with stories of the underground railroad and two lovers being crushed to death inside. But I never saw any ghosts like the ones from the stories, so part of me thought I was probably just going crazy. Then a family weekend came and my sister and my dad came to visit me. They went to see a show on campus with a medium. I did not go with them because I had a paper to write and was in an awful fight with David. I was crying at my desk when my sister called and told me to come to the show ASAP. During the show, my sister told the medium and her son about me. She told them about our old house and what I had been seeing at school. When the show was over, the medium was holding personal meetings with anyone who wanted one and had requested that my sister get me to come. I did, and it was creepy. I never thought these kinds of people were real. They were getting paid to do this and looked dressed for the part. Both of them were tall and very skinny. The son had long white hair and honestly reminded me of the man from David's basement. They used the spirit box and I guess the spirits told the son that I was a medium too. I didn't believe them for a while, but after thinking through my childhood, I think they might be right. What they told me was similar to what my pastor had said. They said that I can communicate with spirits. They explained how any spirit that comes in contact with me can sense this, so they gravitate towards me, like a massive ghost magnet. Fun! They told me the spirits are always around me, and that I had brought some to the meeting with me. They also told me that I could choose to talk with and help them, but that if I asked them to go away, they would. Since finally admitting this about myself two or so years ago, I've been far more careful when dealing with spirits. When I see or sense them, I ignore them and ground myself by picturing a light around me that they cannot get through. I also sage the hell out of myself and my house every week. After my freshman year, I transferred to another college, which has many ghost stories that are not my own, but are interesting and creepy, so they're definitely worth the share. There are also some spooky things that happened at my current apartment and family cottage. I will save those for another time. This email is far too long already. Thank you for reading my real life ghost stories. Oh my word. Um, just a little warning. If you can hear some weird noises in the background, Bim has joined us again for another recording session, except she's fast asleep and she's snoring very loudly. So if you can hear something, it's not a... It's not a demon or a ghost or a little kid crying. It's Bim snoring. It's her making her contribution. That... Oh, Michaela, I'm so sorry. Well, we had a conversation with... This reminded me, we had a conversation with Brennan from Ghost Story Guys for Patreon. And it's the episode will be up in a couple of weeks. But he was talking about a friend of his, a nurse, who is a psychiatric nurse, um, very experienced psychiatric nurse, who apparently has the gift to see things. And she mm. sees things all the time, but can't tell anybody about it. I um, So I always cling to a little bit of... Uh, I want to say scripture, but I, I don't want to say it because I'm not 100% sure whether it's scriptural. <laughs> or you've just made it up. <laughs> or if I just made it up. But someone told me once that uh, God doesn't test you beyond what you can handle. Um, I'm so glad that I couldn't handle being a medium. <laughs> God's like, oh God, don't give him, don't give him that gift. Who, who gave down the gift of mediumship? This is ridiculous. Um, He's crying in the corner again. And I think, Michaela, you and everybody else that has that gift, um, you do amazing to leave your house on a daily basis, I think. Because um, I just could not handle it. No to kids. No to that weird mummy thing. No to the revolutionary guard from the previous story in the in the basement. 
It sounds like a nope. Sixth Sense. Yep. Like great film. No. Stunning film. No to the girl throwing things from your desk. No. No, I'd be really annoyed with that. That would annoy me. I have. I to mean, say. I feel that that would become that would if that was to happen in our house, it would go from being really, really scary to really, really hysterical. Lo- watching you gradually lose your patience with the podcast to the point where you were launching stuff back at it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> I also would be annoyed if I was trying to go for a shower in peace oh. and I'd be like okay dead, dead girl get out with a bath like I actually need to go for a bath yeah. this time or yeah. little small creepy broken neck girl get out with a shower Yeah, I'm just trying to have a shower in peace stop just crying. please little stop girl, crying, stop crying at the end of limp my bed. away thank you Cannot are you ready um, ready for another story yeah I guess so no no when am I ever ready what am I talking about I don't, I don't want to hear another story this story is there story, a knocked out No, sorry. Okay. This story is from Kelly. I thought I would share some of my own stories with you. I have had many over my lifetime, in different cities and apartments and houses. So I think I might just be aware of these types of things. Some of them can be explained away by sleep paralysis or vivid dreaming, which my logical scientist husband is always quick to point out. I'm a very vivid dreamer, and have been known to walk and talk in my sleep. But some of them most definitely cannot be explained away by dreams. For now, I'll just share a few stories that don't have a clear explanation. We live in New England, in a house that is around 100 years old. Both my sister-in-law, who is not normally this type of person, and I have felt a presence in the house, particularly in the back bedroom, where both of my babies slept as infants, and which is now my 16-month-old's bedroom. I have watched each of the babies, in turn, on the video monitor, chattering away in the mornings, while appearing to be looking at someone standing next to the crib. Perhaps it's just baby chatter. But perhaps they do see someone. One time, about a year ago, when my eldest was two and a half, he toddled into the living room from the back bedroom where most of his toys live, and asked me, Mama, who's your friend? I asked, well, what friend? And he answered, the lady. I asked, what lady? And he said, her. And pointed to the back bedroom where he had just been. No, stop now. (laughs) I asked him what she looked like. And then he got distracted like two-year-olds do and I never got the answer to the question. Whoever she or it is... I've never felt a negative feeling in the house. In fact, there are a couple of instances of her being pretty helpful. I have a pendant that my mother-in-law bought for me while she was travelling, and she gave matching ones to my two sisters-in-law. It's very pretty, and I used to wear it almost every day. One night, several years ago, before we had kids, I was upstairs in our bedroom taking off the necklace and the pendant slipped off the chain and hit the wood floor. I remember hearing it hit the floor because it is partially made of glass and I hoped it hadn't broken. I got down on my hands and knees and looked everywhere on the floor for it. Under the bed, under the dresser, I couldn't find it anywhere. A couple of weeks later, my husband and I were getting ready for bed and I mentioned to him that I had never found the pendant and I was so sad about it. He suggested that we look again and we both got down on the floor and looked all over for it. And it was definitely not there. The next night, I was home alone while my husband worked late. I pulled my apron off 
its hook in the pantry and put it on. I put my headphones in and dropped my iPod into the apron pocket, where I heard and felt it hit something in the pocket. I reached into my pocket and pulled out the pendant. The apron was hanging behind the pantry door in our kitchen downstairs. I had dropped the pendant in my bedroom upstairs. Insane. I stared at the pendant in my hand for a few seconds, laughed a little nervously and then called out, Thank you? To the empty room. I asked my husband about it later and when I told him the story, he was visibly shook. To call him a sceptic about these sorts of things is an understatement. But I think he might be a little bit of a believer after that. Another example of our helpful ghost concerns a credit card that I use for most things and which always lives in one spot of my wallet. One day just wasn't there. I remembered where I had last used it and I remembered I got it back from the vendor. Maybe I dropped it in my car. Maybe it was in my purse. Maybe it had fallen out in the house somewhere. A solid week of searching everywhere I could think of and no credit card. There were no weird charges, so I figured no one else had it. I talked with my husband about it one night and asked him to keep an eye out for it. I told him that if I didn't find it in a couple of days, I'd report it lost and get a new one. The next day, I was at the store and opened my wallet to find my credit card in its usual spot. Oh, my husband must have found it, I thought. That night, when we both got home from work, I told him thanks and asked him where he'd found the credit card. He stared at me blankly. What are you talking about? I began to get a wobbly feeling in my stomach. My credit card... My lost credit card, it was back in my wallet today. I assumed that you had found it and put it there. I trailed off. He shook his head. I didn't find it, he said. Oh. We were silent for a minute and then I said, Well, thank you, ghost. And my husband nodded. Since then, there have been a few times when I swear I've looked for something in a particular spot and it hasn't been there only for it to turn up later in that exact spot. We've started explicitly talking about things we're missing and are sure to say that we're sad about it or that it's been an inconvenience. Of course, the other things might just be my husband and I not looking carefully enough the first time. But we don't really have an explanation for the pendant or for the credit card. In this same house, one time I came home to a man's voice calling out, Hello? I said, hi, it's me. There was no further response. I called my husband's name and walked to the back room where I thought he was and no one was there. I walked all over the house and gradually realised that I was the only one that was home. I've also heard footsteps at various times when I'm home alone or it's just me and my kids and they're asleep. I've even gone upstairs thinking one of the boys woke up and is wandering around only to find them fast asleep. Nothing ever happens when my logical scientist husband is at home though. I think his scepticism drives things away. But they seem to like me. That I like that story. Me too. Do you think that's where my bank card is? A ghost has it. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I when she said, oh, it's potentially me and my husband not looking for things, I was like, yeah, that's probably what it is with us, really. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind that kind of ghost. She seems very hopeful. What did I lose recently that I was really frantic about and then it was in a really obvious place? Your trainers. 
<laughs> oh, it wasn't my trainers. That was I, hilarious. I, it was my trainers. I do that all the time where I'm like, oh shit, I can't find my whatever. And then Dan's like, they're right in front of you, you dickhead. <laughs> um, okay, so the pendant story is just, that is Bizarre. crazy because that was, both her and her husband know that she dropped it upstairs and then for it to appear in the apron pocket, that's something's put it there, isn't it? Because right, if you dropped it upstairs, you looked for it and then you found it upstairs you could say oh it bounced and rolled somewhere yeah. or i didn't see it the first time or it bounced awkwardly and landed somewhere and has been dislodged since like there's loads of reasons why but did it bounce out of the room and down the stairs and into your apron pocket i don't fucking think so i do have a rational explanation for it yes as it fell to the floor a black hole opened up and it fell through the floor into the kitchen into the apron pocket. Yeah. That is the only explanation. Kelly, we've solved science yet again. There we go. Um, you can send science. your thanks to Dan yep. Yep. via you email. Can tell, you can tell um, logical scientist husband, which I feel like is a is going to be abbreviated and put on mum's net at some point. Um, LSH, yes. my LSH. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, but he'll be he'll be pleased to know that there is a scientific explanation for that, and it involves black holes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I don't like. Don't get me wrong. If we were to start having that kind of experience around the house, it would still freak me out. Yeah. Because I am a wuss. However, there are far worse paranormal experiences you could be having than having a ghost that looks after you and finds something. Yeah, I'm all for it. Is it the ghost of Saint Anthony? Is that the right saint? Yeah. There we go. Saint Anthony is the Learning Catholic things. patron saint of lost things. So maybe could it be that you're just very close to Saint Anthony? Maybe it is. Or it's a helpful ghost, which I'm down with. I'm down with helpful ghosts. She seems quite nice. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram at 50p Movie Club. You can find us on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a like and join our supergroup, which is ORLGS Supergroup. And the password is Dan. You can send in a story to Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon for either $5 a month or $2 a month. And you can buy our merch. The links to all of that is in the description of this episode. Thank you, Michaela and Kelly, for your stories. And on that note, We shall see you next week. Bye.